Beardy and the Beast Media Club. This is placeholder intro song. Thank you for joining us for the Beardy and the Beast Media Club. A full spoiler discussion into a piece of media. Not even a domestically operating CIA agent could stop these spoilers. We're available here and on many other platforms with a full list available at beardyandthebeast.com. If you enjoy what we do, give us a like and a share, or join the conversation in our Discord or the comments below. My name is Drew, and if I'm the one to the chest, he's the one to the head, Devin. Hey. Today we'll be discussing 2015's crime drama, Sicario. So Devin, was this film FB fine, or was it CI lame? Hey. 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 So how how long did it take to get the segue? <laughs> uh, longer than I would like to admit. <clears throat> um, I I honestly feel this is kind of one of those must-watch type movies. Uh, second time seeing it, and I think it stood up as I remembered it before. And I think it does a lot, a lot right with pretty much everything. <laughs> yeah, uh, I guess spoiler alert hoo, 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 hoo. Uh, i'll have plenty of good things to say about the film uh before before we get in depth with any of the characters or the plots or the implications or anything like that i just want to like straight up lead with something that i really appreciated right from the beginning and that was a lot of the like the filmography stuff so like the the panning vistas and the beautiful like environment shots yes and i feel that some of the greatness of the the shots can actually be absorbed from that opening scene where the fbi are doing that raid Mm. because it was going from like this um the inside of this like dank house it's dark curtains drawn and then kind of a uh like a dusty, dark uh, SWAT van to like this bright outside, like these contrasts like that. And it seemed yeah. to be able to maintain that throughout the film. Mm. It's just something I wanted to note because it like I really appreciated how each each environment seemed to be distinctly expressed. Mm-hmm. Um, like even down Much to like- the the motel room that they that they were staying in like i'm like i'm pretty sure i've stayed at that motel room at one point like it had that kind of like dank like questionable dirty feeling but you're like should be fine to yeah. uh, how the mansion at the end was shot just pure opulence mm. yes um another shot that really stuck out to me was um a scene when they were flying down to to el paso at four crossing the border there where most shots you'd see the plane that 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 would be the b-roll shot they would have there Mm. but instead they had the b-roll shot of like the mountains and you just see the little tiny shadow of the plane Mm -hmm. and that 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 was even like uh, expressed earlier on because they had uh, the only plane in flight you saw was the one landing while they were talking yeah that military plane and then as it was taking off, you had a small sh- shot of that um, shadow too. And I noticed that. And I was like, yeah. that's something I was been interested in while actually taking off enough plane myself. So I was like, yeah, 
It's just a little callback to something I'd be interested in rather than, yeah, the B-roll, the plane taking off. For me, it's either like go with the shadow or just go full Wayne's world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's and it's another thing that they did with this movie was it was something we've talked about in, in other movies. I know Carol on Tuesday, we definitely talked about it. Uh, it's that no shot felt wasted. Mm. There's always something being conveyed there, be it some character moment where you get an idea of uh, Emily Blunt's Kate Mercer as the thought processes or again, just the, the tension that was built up in so many of the <laughs> scenes throughout the, <laughs> throughout the film and, and all of these long shots or quiet shots, it all just came together and built, built on itself in the music as well did a lot with that when there was music yeah and to, to tie that in well the border crossing scene so there there didn't it didn't feel like there was any artificial ramp ups they were able to express the tension especially via the the sound design mm. like that entire series of shots there was like this thumping rhythmic drum and a little bit of this background track and it was like making you you knew something was going to go awry and you're just like, where's it going to happen? Where's it going to happen? It actually gave you a kind of a glimpse in that tenseness of how the agents were feeling in the uh, motorcade. Yes. The, um, all of the components there that I I felt just helped so much, like starting from the briefing, Mm. they didn't hide anything there. Like, this is what's going to happen. This is more, most likely where the things are going to happen. Follows up to, you know, you see the traffic at the border when they're entering. Uh, you hear the, you get that kind of thumping track, which I want to come back to the music afterwards. The scenes of them just driving through with the police and most of the town, most of the people that are driving by not even caring that there's this police motorcade. is like, you know, that tells you what type of area you're in, right? To hearing gunfire in the distance, it has nothing to do with, with what's going on. Mm-hmm. You see Kate being, I, I want to say out of her element, but it's not quite right. She's, it's not that she's a stranger to this type of thing, but she's, you can see that hesitancy on her side because she doesn't know what's going to be happening to the call to the more collected Alejandro. Mm-hmm. And then you go back and the music kind of goes out and you just hear that, that radio chatter building that up to oh god there's an accident on the at the border crossing so even though we tried to clear a lane it didn't matter and the release of that tension was so quick they didn't even make that scene linger it was done with military precision mm-hmm. and like it's a masterful masterfully done sequence yeah i wonder there there is something lost there because i would have appreciated an expression of how long and drawn out uh that moment like especially with that guy that got out of the car and he he had the uh the handgun Mm -hmm. like that that kind of showdown in their heads would have felt a whole lot longer than it did for us as a viewer at least for me so i would have liked that to be expressed in that scene uh but what they were able to do with the fact that it was over with military-like precision is to keep that tenseness. So it didn't relieve it. Yeah. It was, it was build up and then it didn't actually have a release. Like it was a partial release, but then it was able to keep you at an elevated state for the next time that they went into something like that. So yeah, as a form of storytelling, 
that was masterful. It just my preference. I would have preferred more of a uh, to feel that moment itself a bit more. So I think what they were how I saw that scene was you wouldn't be able to show that same tension with the with the actual military mm-hmm. aspect, right? the people who were actually engaged in it. The only place that you could show it was with Kate. And I feel they did that by like the close up shots on her for so much of it while kind of everything was going on. We only flicked to them when something happened. I think that's what they were trying to go for there. Cause I do feel like they lingered just a little bit more on the cop that she saw in the rear view mirror who mm-hmm. was going to shoot her. Right. So, and that's the place where I would expect to see that little bit of hesitation. Like I know that she was confused in that scene, but I don't, I, I think she was acting a bit out of character at that point. Right. Like for, for that to be that the tense moment, like, She's got experience in the field, like she commands a unit. You would expect her to be prepared when they got into the like the highest danger zone of that setting, especially since they were at that meeting as well. So the fact that she seemed unprepared and out of her element didn't seem in character to me. So I don't feel, I don't quite agree. I think that actually stayed pretty consistent because it, it was, she was in a situation now where she doesn't actually understand the rules of engagement. Mm. She doesn't know what's going on. And, and she expresses that as like, what the hell? This isn't how you're supposed to handle these types of situations. I think that's the difference from being more of a cop and being military. Mm. So she's perfectly capable of handling herself, but it's not a situation she would have ever been in, in any type of certain any regular circumstance. Mm-hmm. And I guess she, she definitely handled herself well as soon as the, uh, the crooked cop like turned on them. Yeah. So, I mean, there is that, I just, I don't know. There was something off about her character at that moment and it, it didn't sit right with me. Cause I mean, she expresses it almost right afterwards and she's like actually going to her, her superior going, this is not the rules of engagement and having to have that whole discussion about no, we, the rules have changed. I understand that you you're concerned about are you in the bounds of the law and I assure you you are. No, I get I get that point. It's just like the fact that she was just sitting there la la da as they were coming into the most dangerous zone. Oh, I that totally was, didn't see that as la da. Like right. she might have been tense shoulder, but she didn't even have her weapon ready. They were briefed on this. It's it's just my point is like they made her seem amateurish at that point. So I saw that as you got to remember, Alejandro didn't have his weapon ready either. Mm. In fact, he specifically says, we need to, as he's getting his ready. So, and I didn't see that as being la-di-da. I, what I took from that was her almost being hyper-aware of her surroundings. Like she, she wasn't la-di-da. She was, I felt it her being very active at looking for the threats. Mm. Her role was to be there as a liaison, not as the, not as the strong arm. They specifically said that. No. These are the guys that shoot. So, yeah, I saw that as a continuation of um, how they were showing how she's perceiving the world. Uh, the scene that happened before that, that kind of points to me in that direction, was when they were taking her in to ask her to join this task force. It was like they focused on the guy wearing sandals. And I took that as her being observant, saying, okay, these are her watching what's happening. Mm-hmm. 
in the world around her. So I saw that it's more of a continuation of that, not a, not a naive. What's going on? I, I I do like in the storytelling aspect that she was definitely eyeing up Matt Graver for like the entire entire time and was suspicious. In fact, the way that mm. they expressed the sh- the shots from her point of view made me uh, immediately wonder if he was corrupt. Yeah. Uh, and actually, I don't know what it was. I felt like there was this must have been a red herring that I can't put my finger on, but I. I swear uh, her partner Reggie partner Reggie was going to be like come out as corrupt at some point as being like paid off or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. They just uh, like they threw there was something thrown my way about that. And I think it had to do with like his original exclusion. Yeah, I can I can see where you're coming from with that. I felt so the original exclusion, I can definitely see that being an aspect. The later exclusion, like they, they kind of justified afterwards because it's like i i know that he's not ready for this type of thing mm-hmm. he's too green for this type of thing right they, they did make it clear that both of them were fairly green but the experience that kate had helped put her on that task force and i mean uh, well really well i mean if you if you rate that towards that like the so-called twist in that they were yeah. buying someone green with not the most the not the widest of law knowledge yeah but that's exactly why no lawyers yeah uh right and that's what precluded the other guy but i i got the feeling that that wasn't meant to be a twist like like i mean it was a twist but i don't feel it was i actually got the impression that they were trying to take her under their wing and actually get her involved in this but her moral character prevented that so now it's like yeah no you're just the person to so we can do this i kind of had that feeling throughout it like leading up until that point but then i also realized that it might have just been them ensuring that they had a active uh agent because they would have they would have had to get a replacement had she died so them taking the her under their wing per se could have been just ensuring that she was prepared to some degree so isn't a liability um uh, i think the motive was to take her in and have her actually be part of this type of team and they had to pivot to that mm. I, I feel like they had to pivot to well we got to keep her around because we need this person we don't want to get someone else involved but i do think the original intention was was to have her be part of this i didn't feel a deception that way like i mean especially when like there was the conversation with alejandro was like when he's first kind of introduced, he's like, nope, you're not going to understand any of it. You're going to be questioning all of it. You'll come to see that it was necessary, right? It, it seemed like he was was grooming her to prepare her to have her be in this type of situation. And I got that same type of feeling from uh, from Matt as well mm. until she became too noisy to... Yeah, I had I had a similar feeling. It just didn't last. Mm. It didn't linger, linger around. I didn't, like, sit on it for too long it was kind of like there was some half form concepts in this i feel like i think that might have been one of them and i also feel that a like a corrupt ally well that being said i mean like cia and a hitman and (laughs) but i mean like someone actively working 
against the mission trying to kill our three Amigos. <laughs> well, I was gonna say protagonist, but eh, it's like hard to uh, define them as such. Our 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 three main characters. I, I think that's why I kind of had that feeling that Reggie was gonna be corrupt in the long run. But mm. I'm glad they didn't go that way. Yeah, I actually kind of like how they they played into that without actually having him be corrupt. Just him being friends with the guy who's corrupt. Mm. Right. So so that was kind of one of those subverting expectations that is done right. It didn't take it away. It just pivoted the context of it. My right. my thing my thing is there I knew some some something was up with this dude. And it was purely for the fact that uh, going back to what you said about how this is a lot like Carol and Tuesday and not wasting a shot, there was no mm. reason to include that unless mm. there was going to be conflict that was caused by it. Yeah. And I didn't see this as a, oh, they hooked up and somehow the bad guys found out about it and they kidnapped this dude. Like, that's not a storyline that would ever touch this movie. Yeah. yeah. Um. So I just naturally knew like, oh, this guy's bad. And then... You know, forty seconds later, he pulls that that colorful uh, band out his out his pocket, and I'm like, "Yeah, there it is." And I saw that as there's the clear payoff there, and again, I also think that was one of those things that kind of paid off the observe the um, observation skills that they showed Kate having throughout, mm. because let's face it, she was like definitely drinking and still could had the wherewithal to instantly notice that band well i mean pink and blue and practically fluorescent as thick as my mm. pinky i mean i i agree i'm just saying <laughs> like don't that particular moment you don't have to be that observational uh, i do yeah, i do fair enough <laughs> it didn't feel like they're going out of their way to showcase matt and alejandro's willingness to go to any extent uh, to get mm-hmm. the information that they needed and the the hookup i don't even know who it was the the hookup was one of them like just like beating this man to a pulp and like legitimately threatening his family to get the information they need like i i i understood them doing it to the the cousin of the gangster or whatever mm-hmm. but then for them to just full, full openly go at mind you a crooked cop but still a cop like that oh it, it was very clear they were working on their own set of rules you know the very ends justify the means <laughs> yeah it's it's uh it's almost like government agencies um do what they want and do the things that we cannot it's almost like there is a different set of rules for them <laughs> strange how that is yeah it does make me wonder a little bit like if if kate was a little bit more willing to bend the rules how it would have changed changed the situation it would have made that last scene less amped up. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> yeah, that was... Yeah, that was... But even then, that was interesting. Because I actually wrote down at that last scene, like, how great it is. Because we have a guy who is very, very clearly has no qualms with doing what needs to get done. Mm-hmm. Literally just threatened her and... You know, right beforehand, like in, in the major scene beforehand, he literally shot her for pointing a weapon at him. He says, never do it again. And then when she does it right at the end, he just stands there. I, that, that, I mean, it was uh, that. So b- before we step step into that, um, 
I think he gave her more time than he would give anyone else. That was the implication I had mm-hmm. uh, from that scene when he had the gun under her chin. I definitely thought it was maybe it was because he opened it up with uh, like you remind me of my daughter or some such. Yeah, but would I call it softness? Maybe pity he had um, from like knowing her position and the situation that she's in. But I do think that he gave her five, ten more seconds than he would have given anyone else. And yeah. I, I don't think he took action or even cared that she was pointing the gun at him from the balcony because he knew she was broken. Mm. It's probably a bad concern, comparison, but like how you have to break a horse. Yeah, yeah I could see that. I, I think I took two things away from that. I do think it was, I do think he definitely would, gave her more chances. Than he would have anyone else. The part that he reminded his, reminds of his daughter, you know, definitely going to be in her favor. And, but again, it goes back to that taking her under the wing. Mm. Like, I actually think they did want to have her. And I don't know, I almost got the impression that he was hoping she'd pull the trigger. Oh, I could see that. Like, almost, almost in like that prove me wrong, prove that you are a wolf. There, there is the other possibility. Like, that's a really good idea but there is also the other possibility his his mission was ended mm. as soon as she signed that paper like he had gotten uh revenge on the mastermind of his wife and daughter's de- deaths yeah. and left a long trail of bodies to get there i mean at that point his mission is done and from the look in his face like they're i mean they might expand it with the sequels but what reason does he have to keep going from that point so that could be uh another reason could be uh i don't know if that quite sits right with me because he didn't for a motivation like that i would think more along the lines of well now that i've done this i don't care what happens to me type feeling i i know there's plenty of examples of it not a single one is clicking in my head right now um, i mean in the in the reverse though having that that softness or that he- hesitation would also kind of frame the how do I want to express it? I'll have to leave it as an unfinished thought. And I think that's the thing. I don't see it as a softness or hesitation. That's, no, yeah, yeah, softness and hesitation isn't how I'm meaning that. Him giving her more of a chance isn't the same as being soft. Uh, it's... I, I think you're looking at like, it more like of a like a pa- pass the torch situation. I don't see yeah. that in this film at all. No, I I think he was hoping to have that type of situation i think i think again they were hoping that she would actually be a fit for this type of task force but why why would alejandro even care his only mission is as stated in the film uh to get revenge why would he care he he did care is but that's regardless of why he did care that would be the softness that i that i mean okay so if there's yeah i guess guess softness is not yeah it's okay that clarifying that definition it makes a little more sense because it's not what i would consider as soft it'd be like when we're talking about dread we never call dread soft necessarily no there's no soft moment there is no point where it seemed that uh he had pity and it definitely seemed that that was a clear expression of dread trying to take his this this officer under his wing mm-hmm. but again that that was all muddled in this film like i didn't see that as a, a clear theme at all Okay. It was yeah, implied. I, I saw it with, but yeah, I saw it implied. Shallowly. I saw it implied often enough. Uh, yeah, 
I, I think I saw it implied often enough that it never left my mind. Even when, like, when they came back from the, came back from uh, the border crossing. It wasn't Alejandro or Matt, but it was, like, the military guy's like, hey, do you like fireworks? And, like, just that including her and showing her what's happening. Like, mm, but there's there's no that, that's where I'm getting that feeling. They, there's there's no cohesiveness in this team. There are a bunch of random agencies. It would make sense if Matt Graver wanted to take her under his wing, but not Alejandro at all. They clearly expressed Alejandro's motivations in this film. Yeah, I guess I guess I can see where I can see where you're saying it's muddled. I think because there's so many influences, it can. Yeah, that's what I mean from earlier. Like half finished concepts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. No, I'm 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 seeing where you're where you're coming from that a little bit more. So some of this could just be me. Like there could be some projection in writing. there, or yeah, um, association with other good pieces such as Dread, as you mentioned. Yeah. Um, yeah. Where Dread overtly said these things. Mm. This was, this is kind of like how I take my vanilla lattes with a whisper of vanilla. Um, yeah. Like if the barista doesn't pull up that cup and just go vanilla. It's too much vanilla. Um, it's um, well, it's but, actually one of the ways I was going to describe the film is it's remarkably subdued. I would agree. I would definitely agree. In fact, um, I found I found it weird throughout this this film. But putting aside the the fact the fact that we kind of like understand where we're each coming from, especially when it comes to this uh, unfinished concepts that they were kind of weaving throughout mm-hmm. this film. Yeah, I found it weird that you're following kate through this entire film but the like weirdly cathartic release was actually with alejandro and the the mafia boss or the cartel boss at the end maybe that might just be me being twisted but (laughs) i definitely i guess that's where they the film released its tenseness Mm -hmm. well it's it's interesting the way they did that because we're clearly following kate the whole thing is prefaced off of her wanting to get the people who you know blew up her colleagues and i kind of appreciated the fact that she wasn't the one who got her hands dirty to finish it mm. actually yeah and so so the through line is still there it's still the same antagonist it still is kate's story she's just not the one to pull the trigger in the end up until the point of maximum resistance she was able to keep her morality and how that morality was expressed through this film we didn't have a underwater spider in the sink uh, opening shot. Yeah. We didn't need that. Mm-hmm. They were just able to express it subtly through and like bigger and bigger and bigger until the end to the, I can't sign that document. Yeah. Yeah. Actually the buildup for that was very similar to the buildup of most of the other tension throughout the film too. Mm. Uh, I remember specifically, I think it was, yeah, I think it was, again, after the border crossing, like, she's kind of in the shower. There's the steam on the window, on the mirror, that deliberately blocks her reflection. Oh, I love like, that. Like, it was framed around her. It was just beautiful. And then to just kind of, you could tell she was wrestling with it, with the way I think she was, like, laying in bed or, bed or something. Like, or you could just tell she hadn't slept. Mm. You know, she was just wrestling with this because she she wants her quote-unquote revenge but she wants to keep her morality and sometimes things don't go cleanly and yeah, the way know. they express that without her actually having to say it is amazing i don't like expressing it as revenge though because she definitely 
has the moral standing that I feel this would be another situation of justice. Yes. Um, <laughs> but I guess this is probably a great time right from the beginning. Uh, what is it? The third thing I have written down on this piece of paper is finally an actual strong female protagonist. <laughs> and I guess this is probably the point where I have to rant about it. I'm like, if you have to have your protagonist stand up and be like, it's because I'm strong, it's because I'm a woman, uh, hear me roar, how that sounds in the mind of the viewer is they're saying it to tell themselves that because they don't believe it themselves. You never hear uh, Kill Bill the Bride say that nonsense. You never hear Ripley say that nonsense. And you you don't hear Kate say that nonsense. They're just strong because they are strong yeah. and they're well written mm-hmm. the, the fact that even the fact she was outside of her comfort zone though with a understandable hesitation was still moving forward any fear she had was understandable for the situation that anyone would feel yeah. and i guess to kind of like slash rant like end my little rant about this it's like at no point do you think she's weak mm-hmm. like it it honestly it took a CIA agent or alternatively like a six, four well-built cop to take her down. Yeah. Well, that's the big thing. It's like, don't worry about making strong female characters. Just make strong characters. True. True. Just make strong characters. That's all it is. Don't try to make a character be the perfect flawless. Can't do anything wrong because they're, because they're strong strong female character or i've got to be the absolute paragon type character it's i mean as soon as you remove any potential flaws the character becomes uninteresting exactly it's i mean if you think about star wars that's what happened to ray and frankly they cat that casting was perfect Mm. she was the perfect ray it's just this script was terrible and i mean yeah whoever green green lit uh that storyline should probably be (laughs) i am uh, yeah, and I mean it's the same reason why I, I took such issue with uh, Captain Marvel too. It's just like this is just not interesting. There's no character growth. There's nothing here. That this movie very well never enters my mind that it's not strongly written. She's not a strong character. Yeah, I mean, if we if, if we were to compare this to this this concept to uh, movies with uh, male protagonists, there's a reason why Batman does so much better than Superman. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because when you when you have a perfect flawless character, it is not interesting. Yep. A character with flaws is interesting. A character I mean, I wouldn't call Bruce Wayne or Batman an actual strong character. It's as an far interesting as like character. a well a well written <laughs> character, but it's definitely interesting. So it might not be the best comparison, but it just I stuck out in my mind. Problem. Like at no point do you think she's weak, and at no point did they have to have her surrounded by all her buddies to be like, We can do it too. Yeah, I'm like, no, it was it was well expressed in this film that she was more than able to do so. Yeah. And I mean, they they did the same thing in Dread. Yep, Uh, exactly. Like you knew she was green, but they also said like she was only a few points shy of becoming a Dread. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I know what I said. I know you do. I see what you did there. (laughs) Yeah, I I, I absolutely loved her as a character well acted and i'm very surprised to see emily blunt in this situation and for her to pull it off so well apparently she was actually in line to be like black widow as well in the marvel movies 
The only mm. reason it was Scarlett Johansson instead of her was because of scheduling conflicts at the time. Like ScarJo, Scar ScarJo was so good. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, throwing this out there, really good Makoto. I agree. <laughs> Jeez, people are so I dumb. They really are. <laughs> Hashtag Netflix stop making live action remakes of cartoons. But uh, it was it was so well acted that I couldn't I couldn't see any of Emily Blunt's other performances in her. Mm. Like I didn't even know it was her until the end of the film, and I can usually be like, oh oh, you know that's that's the girl from this or that's the girl from that. Like yeah. I'll usually at least be able to pull it out of my hat. And the, and the same actually to be said for Josh Brolin and Benicio del Toro. Mm. Yeah. Which uh, by my my opening pun was originally going to be a thing with names, and I was gonna say, is this a blah 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 or a Benicio, uh, Benicio del Terrible? And I was like, I can't do that to my my. <laughs> well, so let, let, let's so here's an interesting thing with the act. Apparently, Benicio del Toro, like ninety percent of his lines were cut, mm. and I think that was a hundred percent the right move. <laughs> Uh, apparently like he was going to be the one explaining his backstory to Kate and, and they just found that it was not working, not what it needed to be. And just kept cutting, well, this, cutting this, his dialogue. I mean, that kind of throws back at least that, that reasoning to our discussion, the comparisons of John Wick versus nobody. Mm. How people talking about the legend of John Wick versus what's his face in nobody constantly trying to talk about himself yeah it, there's something so much more i don't want to say mythic that's not the word but there's something that draws you in more when someone else tells the story mm. i mean if he was yeah, telling it himself i'd be really... like whoa we got a badass over here bigging himself up yeah well i think it worked so well having graver explain the backstory after we've already seen what what alejandro is willing to do mm. And all of a sudden, so now we're at, you know, basically the climax of the film. It's, you know, cause it's right after the tunnels. And, and now you get that context and all of a sudden you go, I understand why he, why this is his path. And like, you didn't need it to know he was a badass hitman, but now just add it that personal level. And I loved that line. It's like, oh, it wasn't personal. Well, it was to me. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? That was, a, that was actually a little bit much for me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was a little too catchphrasy. Mm. And this movie just didn't have that kind of feeling. I I, mm. I don't mind throwing one in, but I wouldn't say it pulled me out, but it just seemed misplaced. Mm. I don't think I found it quite as misplaced, but that's because I said it in Spanish. Mm. I think if I heard it in English, I probably would have got pulled out of it. Was it me or did, uh, oh, what was his name? Silvio. Did you find it weird that Alejandro shot Silvio? Mm. I guess from Alejandro's point of view, Silvio was just part of this cartel that he was a, a actively assaulting at that time. So, so Silvio is a kind of just an interesting, interesting aspect of the story altogether. It's it's one of those things where I do think his inclusion was completely needed in the film. Mm, definitely, but at the same time it feels so out of place in the film. So, well, I mean, it has a humanizing effect on this, like these drug smugglers. Yeah. And so it, it almost leaves me going like they were trying to do like a, 
No, I take it back. I think in another film, it would have felt cheap. Like it was definitely something to play on your emotions. That's why you have that. Because he's really not connected to the film until he is. So this is it. I watched this like when it first came out and hadn't really seen it since. So bits of it slipped my mind. So when I saw him there, I was like, okay, was he... I was. I knew he was tied to the cartel. I couldn't remember if, like, maybe he was higher up in the cartel or, like, being in a brother or something like that. Yeah, just um, crooked Mexican cop. Yeah. Uh, so that's why it's. I mean, I'm not surprised that he shot him. I mean, he doesn't show. He doesn't care for. He shows he's fine with collateral damage if it's needed. Mm-hmm. It just seemed like a weird choice. I there was definitely a subverted expectation there. Mm. Because I, I really felt that he was going to be let free, because especially because he was being so compliant. But then from that same aspect, Alejandro, again, as you expressed it quite well, not concerned about collateral damage. I think there's actually only, literally only one person that you actually, well, two people, I guess, that you see let him, that he quote-unquote lets free. Mm. Um, one was Kate, and the other was the servant who clearly had nothing to do with the cartel other than happening to be the person who's you know making the meal and cleaning there was something in that dinner scene i really like the whole like constant like finish your meal meal keep eating repeat yeah. repeat it and then he shoots the wife and two kids and goes finish your meal yeah and i was just like ooh. <laughs> i like that i also like how uh, it's something I saw is like people thought it was weird that he just walked up to the dinner table so nonchalantly like because you know there's guards and stuff he literally knew there was no one else there except for the four of them yeah he was given the count from uh, like a sky-based yeah. heat scan yeah it was just something that I that I read is like oh so you guys weren't paying attention to him counting <laughs> well I didn't even like it I thought it had been expressed well enough I didn't even have to consciously notice it no and the only reason i pointed out because again i was that same way until i like specifically saw something but why did this happen i'm like oh there are people out there that dumb this (laughs) is why we now have movies that explain everything (laughs) i was i was actually worried on that same that same aspect i was worried that they were going to use kate as like a cabbage head trope just someone that they had to like constantly explain things to so the audience could experience through her yeah. Whereas there's probably a trope for this, but it was in that same vein, keeping Kate in the dark so that you can keep the audience in the dark. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a big reason why they focused on her. Why, again, she was our protagonist and not Alejandro or Graver, which honestly, like, I haven't seen the sequel. Uh, it does make me a sequels. little concerned. Is there two? I know there's at least one. It makes me a little concerned when I see like the sequel, one of the posters for the sequel being matt and alejandro with like assault rifles i'm like ooh, <laughs> yeah that's that's not the uh my mind immediately just goes to it's like ooh, do i want to see the sequel and i don't think it needs a sequel in any way shape or form so i mean it if i'm gonna check this right now so the director of the sequel stefano salima written by taylor sheridan the original, directed by Denis Villeneuve, Villeneuve uh, written by Taylor Sheridan. So at least the writer's the same. Okay. This is probably something where I'd want to see the same director. Mm. Just from how well expressed this this film was. Yeah. I mean, oh, okay. 
same director as Blade Runner 2049, 2021's Dune. Okay, a lot of Dune. There's there's definitely a lot, a lot there. I'm ex- I'm we need to look at some of the other projects again. Here's that he expressed it so well. Uh, he did Arrival as well. Can't remember if I've seen Arrival. I feel like I have. I have not, and I keep meaning to. Yeah, I feel like I have, but I might be getting confused with another one. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. T- taking a look at the director of the second one, it looks like he may be much more action oriented. Yeah. Which one do you, if they? So much of this film is the transitions between like a world made of grays and a saturated or like an overly saturated world mm-hmm. and it, how it kind of moves between these and goes back and forth across the line. Um, well, almost even feeling almost like almost like if there was tinges of thriller to it. So if they if they kind of push this into like an action adventure, it's going to have a completely mm-hmm. different feel. Yeah, I this this movie was feels very psychological yes and i guess my worries for any type of sequels that come from this would be like mission impossible the first mission impossible or heck fast and the furious would be another good example like the first of those films like like the first ones they were very much like fast and the furious um, 9 is the greatest movie of all time they shot a car into space god damn it I haven't seen it yet. Elon Musk beat them to it. <laughs> um, it was like, it started off with, again, like it was a generally, actually, it was a crime movie. Right? Mm-hmm. It was literally a cop movie. And then it turns into just these, they just go off on the action. Not a bad thing. I enjoy the fan. I enjoy those films for what they are. Uh, Mission Impossible, that same thing. It was very much a spy thriller. There was like no body count in the first <laughs> Mission Impossible, right? To these big action set pieces, like Fallout was, and it almost feels like a downfall of the Mission Impossibles. As soon as there was the uh, Limp Bizkit soundtracked motorbike fight scene, yeah, yeah, exactly. And so it, that's what I'm worried about for any sequels that come from this, especially again when I see that poster of them back to back with. <laughs> With assault rifles, I'm like, oh, I don't know if I want this to go action heavy. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, with the same writer, there is hope. Yes, yes, that that's true. That being said, there is there is a lot of action creep in media. Yes, like things do have to like even in things that are so well that are well paced and long mm-hmm. format, such as like your mangas, they do it. Yeah, you even see it in shows like DS Nine Action yeah. Creep. Like it starts out as your slice of life on a space station all of a sudden there's like this galactic war going on yeah so things need to do step up i mean all we can hope is they don't turn it up to 11 for for sicario 2 yeah that's true uh speaking of the thriller aspect of that that was actually one thing that um, i noted so we we are already kind of mentioned like this film has very little music it Mm. uses silence a lot and every time there's music you you feel that tension coming through it. And I actually wrote down, I'm like, this is almost like a horror soundtrack when I'm listening to this music. To go and do my research today to find out that the composer very specifically based the music off of Jaws. That makes sense. So it actually was a horror soundtrack. And it worked so well at just building with that psychological aspect of intention 
and again, even though the things are brief, kind of horrific. Yeah, I, um, I definitely that psychological aspect of it really gave me thriller vibes. Even though I definitely know this was more of like a crime drama situation, yeah. the little tinges here and there, and how it was expressed through the sound design, shots, film, the acting. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of like I wouldn't give it A pluses across the board, but I would definitely give each one high marks. I yeah. did. I didn't think any. The only time I noticed the music was when I went, "Oh, that's the right choice." Yeah. <laughs> and I wouldn't be surprised if that's the only time there you heard the music. It was. There was again there. There was more music in Harazuku as he is missing, and we specifically talked about how little music there was in that film. Mm, I could see that, <laughs> but it it didn't need it. All of the shots and the acting, and it was plenty to drive it. And it's kind of refreshing to have the soundtrack back off. That be, that being said, I mean, one of these days, I would love for us to come across a late 90s early 2000s film where we specifically specifically get to talk about how it's a film designed to sell a soundtrack because mm, this sounds like something that might have gotten mentioned in the discord <laughs> <laughs> queen, queen of the damn soundtrack is so good uh, overall though yeah i really i really enjoyed enjoyed almost every aspect of the movie except for the fact that i feel like there was a bunch of unfinished concepts and I'm wondering if those were just loose threads for that psychological aspect. But I noticed it enough that it bothered me. Right. So I'm... Yeah, I can't... Like, I don't feel anything myself that... Like, I mean, I can see what you mean by loose threads, but I didn't feel like anything was... Well, everything became... Everything... It was finished exactly how they wanted it to be finished. Yeah, everything that was unfinished. needed to be finished was finished. Yeah, yeah. It didn't... Yeah, I think you're right about that. That leaving it feeling a little bit like a thriller, because it's... Yeah, I never, I didn't feel like, oh God, why didn't this question get answered? I didn't feel like it was plot threads that were there. It's just kind of like, huh, wonder where that stuff goes. And yeah, that plays to the thriller aspect more. Mm. I mean, it does kind of like, it's a bit of a minus for me because there was a lot of threads that I, I wish that they had continued with. But in that same aspect, I do, I do kind of have to weigh that with the fact that if they had gone with some of those other threads... I would have felt the movie would have been cheaper, cheapened yeah. by it. Yeah. And I guess that is why I would give this film, I would traffic 29 individually wrapped kilos out of 33 in my trunk. Yeah, I would. Yeah, I would definitely give this Yeah, right up there with you. Uh, eight out of nine millimeters. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one thanks <laughs> absolutely this is a must watch film it is there's just so much right in how they did this film i think it's sad that i have to say this but nowadays like more mainstream filmmaking it's sad that i have to say this but in today's day and age with like the way that main fi- mainstream films are i also have to consider the fact that there wasn't any major failings of the film Mm. Uh, like the fact that it didn't let me down is a positive thing <laughs> and it's it's so weird like we don't come out and we don't have like the actors you know uh hating on the fans of the series on social media we don't have weird drama around it they there wasn't weird like directing mix mix-ups 
and there wasn't anything that clashed in the film itself. Each yeah. piece felt like it was the right piece for the film, even down to the yeah. casting choices. Yeah, I, I can't picture it any other way. Exactly. <laughs> like, and there are plenty of films that I can picture other ways. <laughs> well, that's and that's that's the thing. Like, if it was twenty years ago, I I would be I wouldn't even consider it that way. It, it being a positive thing that there isn't anything majorly negative about it <laughs> where that should just be a given yeah uh, i agree <laughs> uh, well i guess i guess with that i'll wrap it up with that this has been beardy and the beast media club join us next time where we discuss the studio chizu animated film Ryu to Sobakasu no Hime, or Bell. As always, if you like what we do, give us a like and a share. Otherwise, join the conversation in the comments below or at our Discord. We'll see you next time.